0: Dr. Ford, we are live. Are you ready to do this thing? Yes, sir. Let's do it. KTTV, giving you what you need. uh, Motivation, education unleashed. H-Time representing, we forever keep it rolling. Join the conversation with inspirational stories. Thought provoking, feel that energy. Kendrick Thomas aiming to lift the community. True indeed, uh, tune in, come and see. uh, Giving you what you need. KTTV, let's go. KTTV. Hey, hey. What it do do KTTV? This is KT and I'm coming at you live with another episode of Education Unleashed. And on tonight's episode, I have educator, author, leader. And if y'all would have heard any of their talk beforehand, all around bad woman. How you doing tonight, Doctor Ford?
1: Hello, I'm Grace. So happy to be here this evening chatting with you.
0: Look, I I just want to um, say, thank you for taking some time out the busy schedule. Um, Like you say, the grind is here, especially when you are running the ship and steering the ship. So uh, just thank you for taking a few minutes to come and talk about all the good things that you have going on. Uh, But before we jump into that, we know wellness is so important. Uh, Post-pandemic, you better check on your friends. So how are you and how are you finding that balance between that grind and taking care of yourself?
1: Thank you. That is such a great question to start out. I definitely know that the pandemic put wellness and self-care on our radar in a new way. And I really try to practice what I preach and spend lots of time resting and reconnecting with family and doing all the things that recharge me. The truth is that I have a lot on my plate and we all have a lot on our plate as leaders. And I um, actually had a friend today ask me, she was like, how do you do 17 things in one day? And I was like, well, I'm down to 10 things in one day, not 17. I said, but I have to do it by just recharging. Um, I got away for about five days, a couple of weeks ago, and I really needed that leeway into all the upcoming events I have in June, and my June calendar is exciting and packed.
0: So, mm, mm. Yeah. so what what are you most excited about? Just go and drop it on us. Oh,
1: okay. So, what's coming up like super quick in two days is I am going to be in a bodybuilding competition, my okay. second one, gonna grace the stage. I am so excited. Worked so hard for so many months to get up there, and so. Um, it's like the anticipation, almost like a wedding. Like you're excited to get to it, but also for
0: it to sort of be over to, right? So, Man, to resume up. normal life. See, and and if if people didn't see that intro when I said bad, I meant bad. Come on, Doc. Awesome okay. work. Now, look. Um, what was the biggest thing you had to cut? Was it the diet, or was it just being more intentional on in the workouts?
1: You know what? Everyone thinks the workout is the hard thing. It's not. It's the 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 deliberate sacrifices that you have to make. So there's so many, so such a limited amount of social things that I can go to because I need my rest, right? Like my body has to recover. Um, I generally can't eat or drink anything, even this week down to the water. I have special water I have to drink. So it's like really, you have to just go into it knowing that you're going to have to pass on a lot of things. Yeah. And so in my work, um, being present at different events and meeting, meeting people and networking is sort of part of my job. So that's yeah. kind of it gets kind of tricky. I'll say. that. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. man. OK. Uh, but when you think about, like I say, the things that we just talked about in that little time, uh, being able to do that discipline piece and being able to uh, stay focused. I think that's just a part of you, which is why you're probably so successful later. So uh, good luck on show too. Thank you. Thank
1: you. So on the same day that I am going to be on the stage, my book benches in the bathroom officially launches. So what a day on Saturday. What a day.
0: Okay. Okay. what are you gonna do? It's like, oh, you got? Do you have anything planned after the competition to go celebrate the book, book signing? I,
1: I have a crazy uh celebration planned on Saturday night, okay. but um in a couple weeks, I have—I'll be getting together with some friends and colleagues to like celebrate uh the book, and I have some book signings coming up. So, yes, I'm going to release that schedule soon. But yes, there's an array of different things. Um, my first. Book signing um, will be at the regional office of education here in Illinois, yeah. and then I have another at the Chicago Social Work Conference in August. So I'm super excited. A lot a few, I have quite a few dates coming up. So
0: yeah. Now yeah. diving into um, and a little bit into the work we'll be talking about tonight. Um, I can Dream Center. Yes. Right. Um, founder, director, uh, like I say, steering the ship. Uh, just thinking about that background. Share with us a little bit of the inspiration behind finding the I Can Dream Center and um, your work, I guess, with uh, the population that you serve at the school. Yeah. So the I Can Dream Center is my oldest baby.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm the mom of two, a seven and nine year old. But the I Can Dream Center turned 10 in March. And so that's my oldest baby. And, um, I, you know, I founded it. You know, it, it was a calling, but it came. It it called me I'll, I'll say that It definitely was a call and it called me um and such a work of the heart i really saw we started off as a high school and post-secondary program and i really saw an opportunity for these young people to um experience education in a better environment in an environment that was crafted to their needs and an environment that was really going to promote them to dream after high school in different ways and i saw this opportunity and the door opened, and I just kind of ran through it. And so um the first couple of years was tough work like anything. And um, and then we really gained gained traction as a program in about year five. Yeah. Yeah. About year five.
0: Wow. Ten years old. So Ten now doing old. that work, I, I know we talked about uh simultaneously, right? And so then as you're doing those leadership roles and mother, how are you fulfilling all those roles? Like how did you was it some late night, Was it tears, and coffee? All of the above. A lot of tears, a
1: lot of coffee. <laughs> I'm not a late night person, but a lot of very early mornings. So mm-hmm. um, I've usually worked for several hours before the rest of the world wakes up. But I um, but I will say this. I couldn't do any of what we've been able to accomplish at I Can Dream So. None of the outcomes would be what they were without my amazing team. My team is, they're rock stars. They love our students. They are so passionate. They're innovative. And I told my team in January, I said, there is no question. I would put you guys up against anybody when it comes to innovation and execution on behalf of these students. And so I just i have an amazing team. I'm blessed with that. And, yeah, um, yeah they go above. That's what, it's about.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it's about, though, having, that, um, having a strong team. Because if you got to do it all, then I don't think you are the leader. Right. So so being able to delegate and and, uh, build that and trust the people around you are so crucial and important to the population. And so as we jump a little bit into it, I want to kind of talk a little about the trauma, compassionate leadership. But I want to talk about the students that you serve first uh, to make sure why that's so important. Mm
1: -hmm. Great. And actually, they're so intrinsically linked. So the students that we serve at I Can Dream Center are those who. Um, Our high school students and our elementary students are ones who could not thrive in a regular gen ed environment. Um, A lot of them uh, struggle with various neurodiversities, communication disorders, autism, um, mild intellectual disabilities. And we really create an environment for them to be able to um, get back on track and in some instances return to their regular school. In some instances, they graduate, they earn their diplomas through I Can Dream Center, which are such great feel-good stories. Um, For my post-secondary students, um, they come to us so that we can prepare them to adults. And so uh, we teach them everything from life skills. They help them get driver's licenses, teach them how to rent apartments, um, get them set up with all kinds of things to help them um, be independent and thrive in adulthood. And And so... Connection with trauma compassionate leadership is that in environments like ours in alternative schools, and I use that in air quotes, um, because often alternative schools can be the two in the school to prison pipeline. And so we're super deliberate about how we're set up. So we're not contributing to that, right? But um, often in environments like ours with tough students that with the complexities of our students, there's a super high staff turnover, which we haven't experienced. And it's because of the environment. Um, I am protective of our school culture of the environment. I want people to come in and feel loved on and feel like it's a second home. Um, I hold my organizational values so dear. And Um, we really start giving folks the I can dream center Kool-Aid around what we stand for from day one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm uh, currently at the alternative school. And so, like you said, you got to have those principles uh, because if not, (laughs) we can be the two. I so agree with that statement. Um, But, but, you know, it's, it's that focusing in on um, support, right. So focusing in on, on just building them up empowerment And so I've lost a few kids this year, uh, which was very sad. Whether it was to murder or it was to them being murdered, but Mm -hmm. then I've also seen a few of them grow from just simply compassion, right? And so Mm -hmm. the first thing you say is, "Oh my God, he means." But as a uh, behavior person for all that long time, like you say, those principles just ingrained in what we do.
1: Yeah,
0: right. Absolutely. So, man, now you talked a lot about that that culture. Right. And so understanding that's what a lot of the PD is about. Uh, just jumping into that, what strategies or practices have you found effective uh, when you promote that culture and then you promote racial equity uh, with inside the school? So I'm going to actually say something.
1: Uh, uh, we went to the racial equity piece of things. I have found that when you have a, um, a wellness culture, when people are invited to bring their whole selves to work, and to not check their personal stuff at the door, but to bring their whole selves and they are accepted and embraced that it creates an environment where diversity is natural. And so we don't have to work hard on how do we embrace racial equity or how do we embrace neurodiversity? Because you've already been invited to bring your whole person to work, right? And so it really gets around these one-off initiatives. And let me, in, in full disclosure, I've worked with schools and districts around Um, equity and racial equity and inclusion. And I'm often reluctant to do it because I don't want to be part of a initiative or one-off sort of situation. We have to look at the entire culture and look at how people feel comfortable, right? As women, as people of color, uh, cultural and linguistic minorities. Uh, And so I hope that we are starting to think about creating and retooling environments where everybody is comfortable and welcome. And um, it's just built into the fabric of what we do. So uh, about 20% of the folks who are employed at I Can Dream Center are neurodiverse. And so we yeah. practice what we preach. Uh, yeah. 65% of the employees, I think I had that stat right, are um people of color. Um, our leadership team is mostly women. We have two men on the leadership team, but they're mostly women. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've really value the diversity of perspectives and thoughts. And I I talk a lot to my team about um, giving insight on what's working and what's not working in an authentic way so we can grow, right? Like we wanna grow, we don't wanna stay the same. We don't wanna be the same organization this year, um, next year as we were this year, you know, because we wanna continue. That's actually one of our organizational values is to continue to grow individually as an organization. And so it's something we're talking about constantly. Mm-hmm.
0: And a lot of the times, like you said, just inviting your whole self to work. When you look at a lot of the staff, because I know a lot of us, we was probably some of these kids that we serve right now, we were in school, right? All and day so, long. All a day different long. level of empathy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Most definitely. That's, that's uh, definitely
1: true. And it yeah. helps with that my team members who are neurodiverse, who've had IEPs in school, they understand our students in a different way. And even if that hasn't been their experience, they are sort of comfortable talking about which traumas they've healed from and experience where they can connect with students there as a connection point. And so um, it's been a space for the team to be pretty vulnerable at times and and a healing space for some. So I'm I'm proud of that.
0: Yeah. As we invite students back to their home campus, uh, depending on – what uh, code of conduct uh, part they missed up on. Uh, We, like, let's say, for instance, if it's aggression, we always try to have like a restorative circle. Um, Mm -hmm. And so then there's a lot of vulnerability inside of that circle if you're doing it right. And so uh, I understand totally what you mean on creating those spaces uh, to just, yeah, be open with kids. But once again, that empowerment uh, because a lot of that is inside of that circle as well. Uh, Do y'all do any practices like that, um, working with so many different kids?
1: We do. So a couple years ago, we had um, a trainer come talk to us about restorative justice and specifically healing circles. And we like the concept so much that not only do we do healing circles in the mornings with our students, um, well, once or twice a week, our staff, our team does one, which we call a huddle every single morning. Yeah. So 15 minutes before the students come up, you'll see each department huddle and talking about what things are on their heart and what they need to make it through the day. And so it's really, and this, when I proposed like meeting daily, I thought the team was going to like, wait a second, we don't want to meet daily. Cause at that point we were on like a weekly team meeting cadence. And so I thought, Oh my gosh, they're going to scream when I say let's meet daily, but they welcomed it and they were excited about it because while we do talk about what's on our hearts, what do you need, it becomes a place for the team to really see one another. It's also a time, you know, we spend the last two minutes talking about the nuts and bolts, who's absent today, what coverage do we need, what's happening with this student that we all need to be aware of. And so it's been really powerful. And so uh, we started that practice two years ago, and it's been a Yeah,
0: wow. Uh, And, yeah, because you think if if we huddle 15 minutes, 13 minutes of that is – like you say, us really seeing each other. Right. Absolutely. Um, think about that. Go, go, go teammates. We got there. They break out. This is my friend. So this is one of the teammates that I talk to a lot. Yeah. But I still got three other people on the team. But given that huddle, uh, I use it a lot. Same terminology as well. Uh, down here, I say, team, we need to have a quick huddle or let's meet the gym. We need the huddle. Uh, and And for one, I like it because it almost gives like a different mindset meeting or let's have a huddle. Right, why team yep. total, uh so most definitely good good work um it sounds like you have a lot of awesome things going at the I dream center yes now thinking about the students that we serve um like i say credit recovery uh the transition programs all of the services that you offer uh looking at other schools other organizations why is it important uh that we develop that continual services for the uh students that we serve
1: so that they can really maximize their full potential. I mean Amen. I think that we are missing out as a culture as a as a country if we have if we're in, if we have this pocket of individuals who continue to be unemployed and underemployed and I'm talking about folks with disabilities. The largest group of folks that are unemployed and under underemployed. What are we missing out on as a culture? They have something to contribute and we need to tap into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is why it's important for us to build programs like I Can Dream Center, like where you serve at, so that we can continue to make sure that we are tapping into the strengths and gifts of our students. And so yes. I do believe that they all have something to contribute. And it, I'm going to take my last breath pulling it out of them. So I hope they access it.
0: So yeah. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. Now, back to the book. Yes. Benches in the Bathroom.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Benches
0: in the Bathroom. So what made you name? Because when I think of Benches in the Bathroom, that's like people going to get away. Let's go talk crazy real quick, and then we're going to come back. Uh, so when you thought about the book and the title, uh, where did it come from? That is exactly what it means. I think you're the first one who sort of hit that on nail. It's
1: an antidote for teacher burnout. And so when I was the assistant superintendent, we were opening up a new building. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to tell this. I'm not going to tell. Folks have to get the book and they have to read the first paragraph to understand where the the title came from. I'm not going to give that away. Order the book on on, Amazon.com. Amazon.com. But I will say that they're right. And that it really is an antidote for teacher burnout. And it's about front-loading supports so that everybody, so that all of our teachers can thrive and give their very best to our students.
0: Most definitely. And so where, when is it dropping again? Give us a date.
1: Two days. Saturday. June 3rd is <laughs> the day.
0: Yes. Come on, man. And so how long have you been waiting to get it done? Oh, my goodness.
1: I yes. feel like I've been in labor for a year and a half. Okay. And I okay. finally got to hold my baby just this week.
0: Yes. So yeah. the process was, uh, so work, school, mothers, wife, get it done.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I spent a lot of weekends sending the children away or nighttime. You know, I just said I'm not a nighttime person at all. So sometimes I had to have a cup of coffee so that I could crank something out at night or meet these publisher deadlines. I've talked to a lot yes. of people that have self-published, And um, the process is a little different because you're not on your own timeline. You're on somebody Mm -hmm. else's timeline. Once you sign that contract, you're subject to when they say they want a draft back or they want these corrections made or they want these shifts made. It was interesting because I had this like baby and I was like, here, here it is. And they were like, oh, this is great. but We're about to rip this apart. But I'm so glad because the end product is so much better than I ever Mm -hmm. could have imagined.
0: Man, that's good, though, but slow and steady wins the race. So I got to ask, though, when you think about the book um, and the key elements of creating a physically, emotionally, and safe school culture, can you just give us Don't you ain't got to tell us all, but just give us a few of those elements. I'm going to give you the number one element. It's
1: psychological safety. It's making sure as a leader that you're creating an environment where your team feels safe, where they know – that they can come to you and what you say is going to be held in confidence, where they know that they can come to you and you're going to be present and not only hearing, but listen, not only listening, but hearing them, where they, as a leader, you create the environment of safety and you pluck out any of the things that threaten that so that people can really come regardless of what traumas they've experienced so that they're bringing with them, um, that they can show up in the space and know that they can be there and be present at a time.
0: Most definitely. Okay. And that's in the book? Yes, sir. Y'all better go yes. get that. Go get that right now. Can they pre-order? Yes. Folks, we Please. pre-ordered. I've been
1: told their books are on the way. I was like, hey. what? <laughs>
0: that's yes. cool. So now thinking about, once again, the population we serve. Um, we talked about building them up, uh, but a lot of the times, resiliency, right, is, is a piece that we have to build with these guys because, of uh, yeah. It seems like sometimes they they give up. One hall, man, this is how I am. I'm this bad kid. I'm, uh, I'm slow. I can't learn like this, you know. So it's a lot. How can educators foster their resiliency among those students um, and support those unique unique needs?
1: I think the key is going to be uh, connection. It's really connecting with them. That's really the. Number one, resiliency factor. I talk about that in Benches in the Bathroom as it relates to leaders connecting with their um, with the folks that they serve, but also um, resilience in terms of fostering that through connection. Hold on one second, please. Okay, so I think like creating connection with um, with the students is going to be a really big deal and really getting to know them and hearing their stories and allowing them to feel like full people.
0: Yeah. And I say uh, meaningful relationships and meaningful work uh, go hand in hand. Uh, Like I said, I was in the um, interview today and I simply just asked the guy, I said, uh, um, Rita Pearson said that kids don't learn from people that they don't like, right? And so I just simply asked, what does that mean to you? Uh, You know, just because, I got to get somebody in here that's once again going to build up, going to really identify and empathize versus sympathize. So mm-hmm. that's what we do now as a consultant, because I know you're doing a lot of that work. Talk about a little bit of what you go out and help schools with. Uh, and what's the nature of the PD?
1: So I actually did a full day one on um On Tuesday, and I was really supporting the school district to really focus on um, a lot of the strategies that we talked about, compassionate leadership strategies. Um, Often I'm talking about self-care practices for leaders because that's so important for us to get that right for ourselves. Um, But most recently, I worked with an organization on the South Side and I really love this work because I really got a chance to like know the team. I was probably there with them three or four sessions and really help them to unpack some things that were not necessarily contributing to the to the team feeling safe or um, just ways for them to just improve their organizational practices. And so it was a really it was very fulfilling to work through some things with them over the course of three months. And so I was there, you know, regularly and following up on how things are going. And um, the executive director was very open and um, just really invested in her team. So that was just great to see. It was, it was great to be a part of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's when those times is like, um, like you say, giving that shout out to your team and making sure you got the strong team. So when you leave, then things can be handled because, um, It sounds like the uh, work you're doing outside of the school uh, is just as important as the work you're doing on the inside of the school. Um, So when you're out consulting, uh, what advice do you give the school leaders uh, or of those organizations who are looking to create meaningful and impactful programs?
1: My favorite quote is that if service is below you, then leadership is above you. And Mm -hmm. so I really spend a lot of time helping leaders to understand themselves as servants of the folks that they lead. Like, I believe that as leaders, our job is to resource them with um, materials and training and psychological safety and then get out the way, right? And so in doing that, we have to really bring our whole selves. And sometimes it demands a level of emotional maturity and self-awareness that that. It's not always inherent and it's definitely not easy. And so sometimes I have to have the tough conversation with leaders that sound something like grow up, you know, or sometimes like you have to put yourself aside. It's not about you anymore. It's kind of like stepping into a parenting role. At some point, your needs are can have to be secondary in the moment. Right. To what to the bigger picture. And so we talk a lot about what does it look like to serve those people? on your team like what does that look like in, in a way that's effective so and that moves the organization's mission forward because it's it's about putting your making your people first leadership is about making your needs secondary at the moment for the bigger picture of the organization and the students benefit right and so we talk a lot about that
0: yeah in the I was most loving way <laughs> yeah i was i was laughing because um the beginning of uh your answer sounded like a continuation of my therapy session yesterday. So
1: <laughs>
0: well, you know what? We all yeah, need a little I, bit. We all need a little bit. You know, it's, it, sometimes it's not about you. All right. So yeah, most definitely. Um, now I know you talked about some stories, and, and so I want people to understand and hear some of this goodness that's going on. So I'm just gonna ask you, maybe put you on the spot, but give me one or more success stories or a moment from your work uh, that has had a lasting impact on you.
1: Yeah. You know what? We've had, we are really blessed that we get to hear success stories every day And there. And you certainly understand this as a a special educator is that, you know, we measure success differently. I have a student that's nonverbal and all of a sudden they're making requests. That's a celebration. You know, I have a student who has social anxiety and is not showing up to school and now they have, 85% 85% attendance. Oh, we celebrate it, you know what I mean? So, absolutely. But I'll, I'll speak about um, a parent that came to us. You know, we have our students, we serve them during the school day, right? That's the tuition part of things. The magic happens for us outside of school day. And so we offer parent retreats for our parents. We offer Saturday programs for our young people to have recreational outlets. Um, Students with disabilities aren't always included, recreational things. And so we create that outlet, again, in service to the entire family. So we had a parent who showed up at one of our retreats and um, she explained to me that she was not given information about the district's responsibility to educate her child. Now this young man, this baby, he's five years old, this baby is um, a child with pretty significant autism. And um, usually I'm in the session with the parents during our, our monthly retreats. But in this instance, I could see that my team was un- overwhelmed with this child who had been on school for some time. And so I was really working with him one on one. I didn't want to leave him back there with the team. We didn't really know him very well. And so I was working with him. This, Let me say this baby was strong. Yeah, we know it. <laughs> we had fun together. But um, but when mom told me her story. That she didn't, she was aware of what services were, what what services that she was eligible for. She was paying out of pocket something like $60 a day so that she could go to work and have her child in some sort of therapy. And um, it had just become cost prohibitive quite naturally. And my heart just broke because I thought, wow, here we are doing all this Um, advocacy and getting these, trying to get this information on the parents' radars about their rights as parents of kids with disabilities. And this was totally missed on her. And so long story short, the success story is that the baby's going to start with us next week in our summer session and we can get him in school and give mom some relief. And just hear her talk for the pieces of the parent retreat, I was actually able to be in she needs the support of the community that we're offering, but her baby also needs education. He's three years yes. old and he hasn't been in school since the pandemic. So for two mm-hmm. years, you know, he he yeah. never went to school effectively. Yeah. He's going into kindergarten, so that's a success for me. You know, huge success definitely. for that family. Most
0: yeah, most definitely. Like you said, it's about the people we serve, and, and the good thing is y'all already got rapport. Absolutely, <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> mom didn't want to let me go at the end of the night. Would and I was like, ooh, I'm tired. I got to go pick up my babies. And she just kept talking, but I listened to her. Said, oh, no, okay, I, I was talking me. about
0: you. I was talking about you and that young man. You and the baby. You and the baby my goodness. I'm going to need
1: baby. it. I'll just say <laughs> this. I was. <laughs> he was trying to leave the classroom, and I grabbed him so that he wouldn't hurt himself. And was trying to, like, redirect him. This baby pushed, used his foot to push off the wall. And I thought, wow, if I didn't work out, I would have been on the floor." <laughs> so he made me spin in a complete circle the team started cracking up they were like whoa he was handling you I like like to laugh I was like oh my
0: goodness that's it that's it." and and when you do it for so long uh, and you know how it can go uh, but then like you say you still know how to keep yourself safe keep the baby safe you had to see it though it was hilarious it was hilarious you had me spinning like a doll (laughs) look I was a uh, behavior teacher uh, okay. for 15 years. So yeah, I'm with you though. <laughs> All right. So now as we get ready to land this plane, give us the information on how do we contact you? How do we find the book? uh, and where And where we can find the shots of the competitions here? Oh my goodness. Okay. <coughs> well,
1: first you can contact me, Dr. Bisha.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. There's actually a really cool book on, I mean, a really cool group on Facebook called leading a physically, emotionally and socially safe school culture where we talk about all these different ideas and, um, and we get to hear from the practitioners who are doing the work as well. So join that on Facebook. Um, again, I'm on LinkedIn on Instagram and yeah, um, you can get the book on Amazon on solutiontree.com and it'll come straight to your doorstep which is exciting. And the picture of the competition. Well, let me see if I win first and then we'll talk about that. <laughs> I'll post it on Instagram on Saturday. That's cool. sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to say uh thank you for taking some time. Uh, awesome conversation. Uh yes. a bunch of good nuggets um like you say psychologically safe i think i want to focus on that next year you know so i appreciate uh that tidbit and i will make sure i grab the book uh so that bring I can me down. Sure. i'll
1: talk to your team you get, we can get a book and come on bring me well i'll be happy to come resource the team
0: yeah right in the circle yes yes hey right. <laughs> all right that'll work well thank you dr for uh you have a good one. and i'll talk to you thank
1: soon you. all right all right
0: thanks so much for having me Yes, ma'am. All right, y'all, this is KT for KTTV signing out. 100. This is Darnell with
1: Broadcast Houston. This is Dr. Tamara Beckford. Hey, this is Candace. This is London Underwood. This is Kirsten Bass with Inner City Greens, and you're watching. Y'all are now tuned in to KTTV. 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 Is that right?